Podia is like an amazing Swiss Army knife for selling anything online. It's an all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell courses, memberships, and digital downloads all in one place. The cool thing about Podia is that they eliminate all of the technical headaches. You don't have to install anything. You can host your sales pages there, your files, your checkout process. You can even do your email marketing and newsletters right from Podia. Fizzle Show listeners get 15% off of Podia for life by signing up for a free trial over at podia.com slash fizzle. That's P-O-D-I-A dot com slash fizzle. Thanks to Podia for sponsoring the Fizzle Show and for supporting independent entrepreneurs like you and me. Hey there, welcome to the Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. Today we have a special Office Hours episode for you where we'll be taking questions from Fizzle members, some of whom are attending with us live today. If you're not familiar with Fizzle membership, think of it as an all-in-one support system for people like you who are building small, independent, creative businesses. Fizzle membership features dozens of courses on everything from finding a business idea to finding customers and growing your business. Membership also includes access to our community of entrepreneurs, live weekly coaching from the Fizzle team, and much more. So head over to fizzle.co to start your trial today. I'm also joined today by Jen Rayow from the Fizzle team, who will be helping me answer questions. Jen, how's it going? Good. How's it going, Corbett? Pretty good. I'm excited today because it sounds like we're going to dive mostly into email. And this ties in nicely because uh, last week's podcast episode was with Nathan Barry, who is a longtime friend of Fizzle and also the founder of ConvertKit, which is one of our favorite email tools. I also wrote a blog post uh, last week about growing your email list called the TPC acronym, uh, which stands for Traffic Placement and Conversions. And if you all didn't check that out, then head over to the Fizzle blog over at fizzle.co slash sparkline, or you can check out the show notes from today's episode, and we'll have a link in there. To find the show notes for today's episode, just head to fizzleshow.co, and this is episode number 300. 62. Uh, all right, well, let's get rolling. What's the first question today, Jen? Okay. First question is from Irene, uh, Irene Exler, and she very simply asks, how do I get people to sign up on my website? <laughs> so she's, she's a real straight shooter. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the super in-depth <laughs> questions are hard to follow. This one's pretty easy, although it's fairly broad. Um, okay. So she says, how do I get people to sign up on my website? I'm guessing that she's asking specifically about email signups. How do I get people to sign up for my email list on my website? And this ties in perfectly with the blog post that I was just talking about. And the, um, the, the idea is that there are three things that you need to keep in mind if you're trying to grow an email list. The acronym that is easiest for me is TPC, and that stands for traffic placement, and conversions. And first up, we have traffic. And the idea here is that if you don't have a lot of people visiting your website, it's unlikely that you're going to get a lot of people signing up for your email list. So just uh, to start out with, if you're wondering how many people you could expect to sign up for your email list, take a look at how many people are visiting. If you haven't installed Google Analytics, we highly recommend doing so. It's free, easy to use. 
install Google Analytics on your website and then that will let you know how many people have been visiting. If you're using something like Squarespace, you'll actually have some built-in analytics. You don't necessarily need to use Google Analytics. In Squarespace, you can just uh, see how many visitors you've had. So in looking at the past, let's say, month or so, if you only have a trickle of visitors, like you know a couple of dozen or something, then it's gonna be real hard for you to grow your email list very quickly. So what I like people to aim for is to have several hundred or maybe a thousand visitors a month because there's something you should be aware of, which is your overall traffic to email subscriber conversion rate. And for a really functional, good website, you might be looking at something between like 1% and 5% of overall visitors converting to email subscribers. So if we do some quick math, that means for every 100 visitors, you might get one email subscriber. Or if you're doing really good, you might get two or three or four or five. Probably at the most, you might get five. So with 100 people a month, you know, you're only going to see a couple of people signing up and that's probably going to feel a little disheartening. So the first thing you need to focus on is traffic. And to do that, we recommend content marketing usually. That would be in the form of creating a pod, a podcast or a blog or a video channel or something to draw people into your website. Now, once you've gotten up to 500 or let's say 1,000 people, then those conversion numbers start working better for you. Uh, at 1,000 visitors a month, if you're converting one out of every 100, that, that would mean you'd actually get 10 signups in a month or 20 or 30, something like that, which... Uh, will be a, a much faster way to grow your email list. So that's step one. That's just traffic overall. For Irene, uh, there's two other components that you should pay attention to. And again, those are placement and conversions. Placement means where are you putting the forms on your website? The biggest mistake I see a lot of beginners making is just having this tiny little form buried somewhere either in their sidebar or maybe down below a blog post or something. And it's hard for your visitors to see that probably. And they're not necessarily even noticing it. And so if you're wondering why people aren't signing up, if you've just got your form in one place and it's pretty inconspicuous, then it's unlikely that people are going to sign up. So when it comes to placement, you need to think about the most prominent places on your website. And those are probably like front and center on your homepage, right? Have a big uh, banner up top that explains why people should sign up for your email list and put it right in front of them there. You also don't have to necessarily constrain yourself to just using one place. The websites that I see that convert the best have an option to sign up for an email list in several places. They'll often use that front and center place on their homepage they might put it at the top of blog posts. They might put it at the end of blog posts. They might also put a form on their about page. Uh, and then they might also have one in their sidebar. Or they might have something slide in as you get further down a blog post. So by placing forms in more prominent places on your website and by placing forms more frequently, you will increase the number of people that are signing up for your, your email list. So that's step two. So far we've talked about traffic and we've talked about placement. The third piece is conversions of each specific form. So earlier I talked about sometimes people just have a tiny little form stuffed in their sidebar and a lot of times that form might be kind of um, sheepish. It might say something like, hey, sign up for email updates from me. 
and it doesn't really give me a, a strong reason to, to sign up. It may blend in with everything else. It's not big and bold. And so the conversion rate of that might be low. And that's common for people just starting out. But if you go look at some of your favorite sites that are a little bit more sophisticated, more involved, watch what they're doing to try to get people to sign up for their email list. A lot of times they're offering something like a video course or a download um, or maybe even a call or something. And it's usually much bigger, much bolder, and those forms probably convert better. Now, you can use tools like ConvertKit or a third-party tool like uh, we use something called Optin Monster. And those tools, when you create forms for your website, a lot of times will actually tell you what the conversion rate is of those forms. So you can watch each of your forms. You can even try a couple of different forms against each other. You could try the sign up for my email newsletter form and see how well that does, and then try another one that's actually something that you're offering something like uh, you know, a, a short email course or a short video course or something like that and compare the two. And you might find out that one of them converts like one out of every 500 visitors and another one converts one out of every 80 or one out of every 50 or something like that. And um, that's what we've done over time at Fizzle. We've run a lot of different forms and we've found a couple that work really well for us. And then we've placed them in more places and then we've focused on driving more traffic. And if you if you work on all three of these steps, traffic, placement, and conversions, then that's the formula for really growing an email list quickly. Some sites can add hundreds of email subscribers per day. I know some people that add uh, several hundred per day. In fact, James Clear, uh, who we've had on this show recently, has this massive email list of like 500,000 people. And you might ask yourself, how did he do that? How does he have 500,000 people on his email list? Well, in his most recent email, uh, his most recent annual report, which you can find over at his, at his website at jamesclear.com, he said that something like, I think it was 300,000 people signed up for his email list just last year. And he does that using the same formula. He's got amazing traffic, something like 10 million people visited his website last year. He's got great placement. He has a couple of options for getting you to sign up for his email list. And then he also has worked on conversions to try to improve the conversion of each of those forms. So that's the formula, whether you are trying to get 20 people to sign up for your email list in a month or 20,000, it works out the same. So I hope this helps for Irene. Uh, it was perfect tie-in to the blog post from this week. Anything else that I should add there, Jen? No, I think you hit everything, and I do think this will be helpful for, for Irene after taking a look at her blog and her website. I think she'll have some really actionable steps okay. uh, from what you just shared. Awesome. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so next question is from Serena Rue. She participated in our Start a Blog That Matters Challenge this past fall, and she's on a countdown right now. I think she's within 10 days of launching her site officially. Awesome. Um, yes, very exciting. She's been working really, really hard on it. It's been amazing to watch. Uh, so this is her question. Um, do you have multiple email opt-ins? I'm looking at making a second opt-in. My current one is a meal planning kit, but I have three categories on my site budgeting, food and meal planning, and thrifting. Realistically, the freebie I have will only convert on the food-related posts, so I'm looking at making a budget printable. 
if you have multiple opt-ins, how do you organize them? I've seen sites that have protected freebie libraries where others, I'm assuming, just have separate email automation set up for different opt-ins. Maybe I'm making this more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> um, and she uses MailerLite. And her website, if you want to check it out, is penniesinperspective.com. I am on her email list right now. It's fabulous. She is a great writer. So I recommend you check it out. Awesome. Cool. Uh, great. Uh, this is uh, continuing on our email theme. Good, right? <laughs> this is a little bit more advanced, which is cool. And um, yeah. you said that Serena has a website, but she is just getting to launching a blog. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so she has a wait list going and she had let us know in the forums that um, the last number I heard, I think she was up to 65 uh, people on her email list and she hasn't even launched yet. Great. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. and that, that's a, that's a nice tactic or, or strategy to, um, try to get some interest for the launch because it's always sad when you launch something and nobody shows up. Right. So, um, by building a little anticipation by having a, like a, you know, uh, waiting list so that she'll let people know when the blog launches, that's a, a great, that's great practice because when you launch products, you want to do the same kind of thing. I mean, think about uh, when the latest iPhone comes out, there's all this news and stuff leading up to it. And then uh, Apple announces it in, you know, major fashion. And then usually there's a couple of weeks before it actually comes out, people get all excited about it and then they end up waiting in line to buy it. So you can do the same sort of thing for your website. And, and uh, I'm glad Serena's doing that. So she asks... Do you have multiple email opt-ins? So an email opt-in is a, we talked about forms earlier. That's one way to think about it. An opt-in is basically an offer that you're making people. An opt-in can take the form of, as we said, a video course. That's a nice way to do it, to say, hey, get my free five-day course on. And in Serena's case, she's doing a meal planning kit. So her current opt-in is a meal planning kit because that's what she offers on our website. So that's another great way to do it. You could do a download, you could do uh, some sort of audio guide. There's all sorts of things that you can offer as an opt-in. Some websites have multiple opt-ins, multiple freebies that they give away. On the Fizzle website, you can go to fizzle.co slash guides and see that we have several in-depth uh, downloadable PDF guides that we've created over the years. Um, one of them is about the top 10 mistakes that we see people making in business. And so if you go to fizzle.co slash guides, you'll see that you can click on a number of these different guides and each of them will pre prevent you or present you with a different email opt-in form. If you enter your email address there, our software, uh, we use ActiveCampaign, will then send you that guide. You uh, enter your email address, you'll get that guide specifically that you opted in for. So that's one way to do it. You can basically just set up so that each form delivers a different opt-in. And if one of your subscribers wants to get access to uh, each of your different opt-ins as they discover them, then they would need to enter their email address a second time or a third time, that sort of thing. That's one way to do it. Now, Serena mentions uh, that she has seen some sites that have, for example, a password-protected library of freebies or a hidden library of freebies. Um, another guest of ours, Matt Giovannisi, um, who has a site over at Money Lab, 
uh, he actually just implemented this. It's, it's the idea is to have a library of freebies so that when someone signs up, they don't just get this one thing emailed to them, they get access to a page on your website that contains a toolkit or a toolbox or something like that. We've done that ourselves at Fizzle. In fact, I think if you go to fizzle.co slash toolkit, um, you will be able to download several of our freebies all at once. So we kind of have a hybrid model. You can get each one individually or you can get all of them at once. Now, the question is, how do you deliver those? There's a couple of ways to do it. One is you could just send people an email with all of those freebies attached, or you could have a special page on your website. If you use WordPress, WordPress has the ability to password protect a page on your site. So you could, uh, when someone signs up, just send them an email and say, hey, welcome to uh, my email list. As a subscriber, I want to give you access to my library of amazing freebies. And to get access, just click this link and you'll need to enter this password. Um, or you could have it just open and hidden, no password required. There's a lot of ways to do this and there's no specific necessarily, you know, right way to do it. It's kind of what works for you and what seems to make sense um, for what you're trying to offer and what your subscribers want. So Serena said, maybe I'm making this more complicated than it needs to be. I don't think so. I think she, she listed a couple of different ways that you can do it and it sounds, um, they sound all doable. I love that she's thinking about creating multiple freebies because a lot of times um, one opt-in offer won't necessarily appeal to everybody on your site. Or you might find that if you create a few of them that one does a lot better than the, other, the others and then that'll let you know that that's the sort of thing that people are signing up for. So to relate this to the previous question from Irene, we're really focusing here on the placement and the conversions, right? Because if you have multiple opt-ins, you'll have to decide where to place those on your site. And uh, sometimes you'll find that maybe there's a specific blog post where this uh, certain freebie will do better than others. And then also we're talking about conversions because you might find that one of these freebies does better than the others as well. So there's a lot to learn here, a lot to gain, and you don't necessarily have to work on multiple opt-ins in the beginning, but as you get more sophisticated and um, further down the line and really focused on growing your email list, then multiple opt-ins are a great way to go. Anything else there, Jen? My only thing to say to Serena is to pick the route that you feel most confident with so that um, you don't get in the weed, the technical weeds of trying to make this happen. I think Gorba just gave a lot of really great examples of ways to get this work done. Um, some more simple than others, you know, like making a, a WordPress page open um, gives a lot of value, uh, but is a little bit simpler. But just um, that's all. Just don't get caught up in spending weeks and weeks on this um, when you already have a really good opt-in and your site is so new. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, um, you know, the, the thing is you have to keep in mind again that you're only going to be able to optimize your conversion rate on email signups so much. You know, if you're, if you're getting two out of a hundred or, or three or four or maybe five out of a hundred um, to sign up for your email list from just generic content marketing, like having a blog, you're doing great. And there's probably not much more you can do beyond that. Also, if you don't have any traffic coming to your site, it's going to be really hard to know if these opt-ins are working or not. So 
Um, you kind of have to d decide which stage you're at. And if you're at the very beginning, then it might be more useful to you, probably will be, to focus on drawing more visitors to your site to begin with. And then uh, it'll be easier for you to test these things and to know how well your opt-ins are actually doing. Hey, before we keep going, here's a quick message from Gusto. Small business owners wear a lot of hats. And while some hats are great, others, like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and managing a team actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts, too. Sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2020 for your business, right? But here's the thing. Deadlines for the new year, they creep up earlier than you think, and you're going to want to get started now. So don't wait. Let Gusto make it easier on you. As a bonus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. So try a demo and see for yourself over at gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. It's interesting to Corbett to hear your suggestions um, to Serena about, about testing out multiple opt-ins because I've had one on my site um, the whole time it's been live and I always just kept it as simple as possible um, especially on the technical side of things um, but now I'm wondering if it's if I'm at that point because I'm not I am seeing about a two percent conversion rate but the traffic to my site is is not you know astronomical so that's a, a big piece for me is growing my traffic this year and, and really honing in on not dabbling in a lot of different ways, like actually getting really serious and focusing more on one, you know, one avenue because I've, you know, I've gone through the testing phase now and yep. I think it's time for focus. Um, but it is, you know, neat to hear you say to try multiple opt-ins and, and to see how they convert. Yeah. And, you know, um, if you're converting 2% of everybody coming to your site right now, that's pretty good. Uh, and, you know, it, it depends on the space that you're in, obviously. And, and you'll never know if there's like more to gain there. There probably is. You haven't done a lot to optimize that. So you just, you know, intuitively, and this is where we all have to start. You have to ask yourself, who are my visitors? What are they looking for when they come to my site and what might be irresistible to them uh, in terms of not an offer? So if someone comes to your site because they have some, in your case, Jen, some kind of massive clutter situation going on at home, maybe they're feeling terrible about it. Um, maybe they're just looking for some small project that they can get started with. And so maybe you offer 10, uh, projects you can complete in an hour or less at your home to finally start tackling that clutter problem, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and so intuitively you just think about it, come up with something, present it and see how it does. And the first time out, maybe you do really well and maybe you end up converting 2% or something and, and that's pretty good. Um, so you're kind of in this middle space where your conversions are going okay, you're getting traffic to your site as well, and you kind of need to know what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, 
as I said, if you think about, you know, there's definitely some maximum number of people that you're going to convert from a blog, some maximum percentage of people. So if your goal is eventually to be adding, you know, like a thousand people a month to your email list, which is uh, a doable goal that, you know, a lot of blogs do and and it should be a, a, a goal for everybody at some point. In order to convert a thousand people, if you are, let's say, doing 2%, um, that's two out of every hundred, right? So you would need two out of 100, 20, 200, uh, five, what is that? 50,000, is that right? Um, 50,000 times 0 0.02 is 1,000 subscribers. So you would need 50,000 people coming to your website in order to get a thousand people in a month. Um, so, you know, if, if I were you and traffic had not been growing much over the past year or so, then that's probably where my focus would be. Um, and I would be experimenting with different kinds of content. I would be looking for ways to um, meet people where they are, uh, because as we've probably talked about on this show recently that uh, search is a big driver of traffic to most big websites, but it can also take a while to kind of ramp up. And um, there are other places that people are hanging out. Uh, in your case, in terms of clutter, there are probably sites out there, uh, communities on Facebook, maybe within Reddit, other places where people are focused on the problem of tackling their clutter, cleaning up their lives, We've talked about the phenomenon of Marie Kondo over the past few years, all that kind of stuff. There's obviously interest out there. So wherever people are hanging out, um, if there's a way to share your content with them and draw them back to your website, that can be a nice way to jumpstart things uh, while you're waiting for um, search to kick in as well. How many blog posts are you publishing now, Jen, on a regular basis? Now one a week. One a week. Great. One a week. One a week. And that that's a... But last year, it wasn't that many. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not easy to keep up, up with doing one a week. But in order to really get traction and to grow a site, you'll see for everybody that there's this period of time they go through where they're publishing really frequently. Uh, to mm -hmm. get back to James Clear, who we talked about, um, jamesclear.com, he said last year he had 10 million visitors to a, his website. He only published, I think, uh, maybe like 10 articles, something like that. It was really a slow year for him in terms of publishing blog posts. But if you look all the way back to five or six or seven years ago, he was publishing twice a week consistently for three or four years. And, and this is all in uh, the Fizzle Show episode with James Clear that we just did. We just published um, three or four weeks ago. So head over to fizzleshow.co. Um, and uh, look at the show notes for this episode or just scroll down a little bit for the James Clear episode. Um, or you can find it in your podcast player as well. So there was this period of a few years where James just had this heartbeat of publishing twice a week, every week, no matter what. He made that his primary goal. Didn't really care about anything else. And that's where he got his momentum from. That's where all the search traffic started coming. That's where all the links started coming from because he was publishing things uh, finding out what people wanted and following those threads. So for most people um, running blogs or any sort of content marketing, whether it be YouTube, podcasting, or a blog, there needs to be this concerted heads down period where 
you're diving in and really just focused on creating content so that you get to that level of traction where you're getting thousands of people come to your website. Again, you know, your goal, if you want to add a thousand email subscribers a month should be to get to that 50,000 people coming to your site a month level. And when you're there, if you're converting at 2%, then you'll get that number of email subscribers. So that's kind of where my head would be at, Jen. If you're doing one a week, that seems totally reasonable to me. I think you can make good progress there. Just make sure that you're focused on um, making new breakthroughs with those posts and exploring new ground. Try long posts, try short posts, try um, mentioning a bunch of people in your space in a post. Try um, saying the thing that you think is on everyone's mind, but nobody's saying. Maybe try some tough love with your readers. Like there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. directions that you can go. And the reason that you're doing that is because you're trying to have one of those home run blog posts. You know, if you've um, written blog posts for a long time, uh, like I have, you'll see that sometimes there's a post that just outdoes every other post. You know, a lot of times if you look at a blog with a hundred blog posts, there'll be like five of them that really stand out and drive the bulk of the traffic. So your goal in every one of these blog posts is to try to find that magic formula, try to find that thing that doesn't just attract a couple of hundred visitors like most of them do, but instead makes waves for some reason and gets shared somewhere and pulls a bunch of people into your site. They're out there. Those posts are out there. You just have to work hard to find out what those are. Love it. Awesome. Um, <laughs> let's see. Did we have anything uh, from Fizzlers? Um, Mike has a non-email related question. Okay, awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so he, Mike says, I've still been stuck a bit in analysis paralysis about next steps for my business. I've been developing an idea for a podcast and or blog around the topic of connecting with your values and living a life of meaning. I have a basic shell of a website, but it still needs work before going live. I guess I'm wondering, where would my time be best spent right now? Should I start recording episodes? I recently guest starred on a client's podcast and really enjoyed the experience. And I think I may have some energy around that. My goal with my business moving forward is to help more service-based business owners create freedom to stay focused on their passion in their business and consequently live a more meaningful life. Awesome. Okay, great. Thank you, Mike, for the, the live question here. And um, just to clarify a couple of things, Mike is a service provider. He helps service-based businesses with um, basically taking a load off of their plate. He helps uh, with virtual assistant services and so on. Um, He said, sorry, this is a long question, but I know this is um, kind of where your mind goes when you're contemplating some sort of a new podcast. His idea for a new podcast is around the topic of connecting with your values and living a life of meaning. So um, my first caution here or, or question that I would dig into with Mike would be just considering uh, whether or not this really is something that is meant to help with his current business, or is this kind of a whole new idea that he wants to see where it goes? Because you have to be careful when there are too many links in the chain to go from this um, content that you're producing to getting someone to actually become a customer of yours. Sometimes we talk about the marketing funnel and when you're too high in the funnel and you're reaching a really broad audience, 
very few of those people will actually end up trickling down and becoming customers. So in this case, if you're talking about helping people live a meaningful life, it may be that there are too many dots to connect for those people to actually be service-based business owners and to have a need that might can fulfill in a way that they'll be willing to pay for. So that would be my first caution or concern would just be, is this really meant to be something that drives business for Mike? Or is it a passion project or a side project or something new that he's exploring? And there's no right answer here. But if your answer is that, man, I really just need more customers for my business. And I was thinking about launching this podcast because I want to drive customers for my business. Then it might serve you to do something that's a lot more direct. Something that is around the thing that Mike's business is helping other business owners achieve. Um, so that's, that's uh, the first question. If instead Mike is saying, you know what, really I'm just interested in this. This is a, a great passion project for me. It's something that's been on my mind. I can't stop thinking about. I really care about helping people connect with their values. And maybe this becomes something else. Maybe this becomes its own business or its own project in a way then that's a different kind of um, analysis that I would do on this and a different kind of decision to make. Mike is just chiming in here with an update. He says, that's a great question or caution. I think one of the areas I'm stuck is that I have energy and interest in the big picture guidance, like the podcast idea, and then getting into the nitty gritty details of operation strategy where my business has served until now. So there may be a hybrid here for Mike. He may... Um, make his podcast instead about the nitty-gritty details of operation strategy and then be able to use that so that he can tie it back to connecting with your values. An example that I always loved to use was Leo Babauta with Zen Habits. At Zen Habits, uh, Leo's goal was really to help people live a simpler, more meaningful life and to not get bogged down in all the weight of life. Um, but he took that idea of Zen habits and then used it to talk about a lot of really specific things. He talked about exercise and weight loss and mindfulness and travel and even family stuff. Um, so if you pick a broad topic, you're able to dive into specific things. In Mike's case, again, I think the problem that he really needs to solve is what's the purpose of this at the end of the day? We talk about this in our blogging course, figuring out why am I blogging or why am I podcasting in the first place? Um, you know, Mike asked, uh, should I just start recording episodes? And a lot of times if you're thinking about writing a blog or recording a, a podcast, it may be a good idea to just record one or to write one blog post. Or in our blogging course, we talk about just writing several rough drafts to see if you really do have enough to say on this topic, to see where it goes. And not necessarily to start publishing those, but just to record those or write those and have those in the can. And you know you could use those later if you do decide to go forward with this. But that's a decent step as well to kind of try it on and see how it feels and where it might go. So I think that's a decent next step for Mike. Another thing that we recommend a lot of times is just... Um, committing to doing a season. You know, don't say that I'm going to start this podcast and run it for the rest of my life. Instead say, I'm going to record a season of this and I know that this is going to take a lot of time and effort, 
but I'm willing to commit to the effort that it takes to record and publish 10 episodes of this and see how that feels, see how people react to it, see if I have enough to say, see if it feels meaningful. And not that you're looking necessarily for those 10 episodes to prove that you have a home run on your hands because that rarely happens with a podcast or a blog, but just to try it on and see how it feels and then use that to inform whether or not you want to commit to this more deeply. I hope that's helpful, Mike. This is a great question. Um, Everybody wrestles with this sort of thing at the beginning. And uh, sometimes we have to walk a few steps on this journey to actually know if it's the way that we want to go. All right. Well, um, I think that about wraps it up for today. Uh, We do these once a month. You can find these episodes over at fizzleshow.co. In between these Office Hours episodes with questions, we have been interviewing some amazing guests recently. Uh, As we talked about, James Clear was a great episode on creating habits for yourself. Um, We also have had some really good episodes. We had Brian from Growth Tools, and uh, we talked recently all about why online courses get such poor results and why people follow through so infrequently on actually completing online courses. And there's some really great ideas in there from Brian on that. And in all of these, uh, the episode with Nathan Berry, the episode with Brian Harris, the episode with James Clear, not only do we dive into their subject of expertise, but I also really ask them a lot of questions about their business and how they grew their business. And uh, a lot of these people are pretty far ahead uh, Nathan Barry, his business convert kit is doing almost $2 million a month now, which is insane. Uh, but the crazy thing is when you dig back and ask them about the things that got them over the hump, there's a lot of really instructive things for, for people who are just starting out or maybe aren't going to run a $20 million business, but are just looking to build something that is independent and can support yourself and your dream of traveling around the world, being able to save enough money to live a decent lifestyle and and plan for retirement. Um, A lot of those things hold true, no matter the size of business that you're building. So check those episodes out as well. You can find the show notes from today's episode over at fizzleshow.co. This was episode number 362. Jen Rayal, thanks so much for helping today. Amazing. Thanks for having me. I love being here. And uh, until next time, I'm Corbett Barr. Thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. Fizzle.